Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis, support.greatdetectives.net, and become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now we're going to conclude Under Arrest. The original air date is August the 21st of 1949, and this one is Ruth Cutler's Burglar. Mutual presents Under Arrest, directed by Martin Mogner and starring Joe DeSantis as Police Captain Jim Scott. Under arrest! Into your cell! Criminals Behind Bars, Under Arrest, the story of Police Captain Jim Scott's fight against crime. How did you get in here? Through the door. What do you want? I want to talk to you. Get out. I mean it. I only want to talk to you, and I get up out of your bed. I warn you, I have a gun. I don't want to harm you. You've broken in here. Don't move. Oh, you really do have a gun. But no fear. I think you're afraid. No. Why would a woman like you have a gun unless you were afraid? I tell you, I'm not afraid. That gun says you are, now give it to me. You're an intruder here. Get out. Please, get out. No. No. Operator, please connect me with police headquarters, will you? Before Captain Scott picks up the phone to be connected with murder, may I have a word with you? CARE, the organization of welfare agencies operating on a non-profit basis, guarantees delivery of food and clothing packages to 12 European countries, Japan, Korea, and Okinawa. Care packages are available for as little as $5.50. And to order, you simply address Care, New York. Police headquarters, Captain Jim Scott speaking. Captain Scott, did you say? This is Ruth Cutler. Cutler. Ritz Park Apartments. Ritz Park. Apartment 3D for Daniel or Delilah, if you Delilah, definitely. What's your problem, Miss Cutler? Captain, whoever comes, I do hope it's you. Me? Why? You have such a charming telephone voice. I bet you say that to all the policemen. I've never even spoken to a policeman before, Captain Scott. I've never killed a man before. Killed a man? I'm afraid. I'm terribly frightened. Please come. Quickly. I'll be right up. Ruth Cutler was our foremost professional authority on society. She wrote a newspaper column about various social events of the upper crust. She was a mighty handsome lady, tall with big dark eyes and smoky hair worn like a Madonna. Say she was 33 and very calm looking. However... Captain Scott, it was horrible. 
Horrible. Easy, Miss Codlin. I woke up. He was coming toward me. He'd gotten in somehow. Oh. Through that door, I suppose. From the kitchenette? And the back door. I warned him, but he kept coming closer. Finally, I had to... His face twisted all up. His hands clawed at the air. And his eyes suddenly... Easy, easy. Are you sure he's... I mean... What if he's still alive in there? I looked. Oh. Ever see him before? What? Hanging around the building, casing the job, as it were. Oh. No. Think he came to burgle? Obviously. Why, obviously, Miss Cutler. What other reason could he have had? You're a prominent lady in our town. You mingle in society and could have enemies. Social battles are fought with parties, Captain Scott. Hmm? By the way, Captain, just what do I face with the law? If you kill a man in defense of yourself, of your home... What do you mean, It's not murder, but only manslaughter, and probably a suspended sentence. Just the same, I'll have to book you at headquarters as soon as my boys get here. Your attorney can easily arrange bail. You know, I was right about you, Captain. You're every bit as charming and sympathetic as your telephone voice. Do you think that fellow came in the back door? Yes. Then I wonder how his hat got, uh, here. On this little table in the foyer besides your front door. Hat? Good heavens, I... I thought he came in the back door, but... I'm so upset and confused that I... How could I have made such a mistake? I don't know, Miss Cutler. <laughs> Booking Ruth Cutler at headquarters for manslaughter didn't take long. She was out on bail inside an hour. I went down to the morgue to see about identifying the dead man. Unfortunately, he had no papers on him. We were beginning to prepare a police bulletin when I was called out to face a visitor. A small, very neat girl of about 25. Her eyes were icy with dread, and in one hand she clutched a copy of the early edition of the Morning Post News. I want to see him, Captain Scott. Who? It's in the papers. The man Ruth Cutler shot. The morgue's not a pleasant place. Please. Things like that are part of my job. In a minute, we were standing under the blazing light with a green glass shade, looking down at what was under it. I flipped back the sheet. (laughs) You know him? We came here yesterday from Boston for a visit. We? David and I. David Ashburn. You Mrs. Ashburn? He runs a... He ran a small dress shop in Boston for six or seven years. I worked for him. We're in... We were very much in love. We were going to be married. You don't have to stand right here, Miss... uh... Allison. Betty Allison. Miss Allison, what made you think it was David Ashburn when you read about it in the paper? David told me he happened to meet Ruth Cutler on a mountain road, and she promised to help him professionally. On a mountain road, Miss Allison? Only a few weeks ago. David was driving from Boston to... Somewhere in Pennsylvania. Her car had broken down. He stopped to help. And they got talking. 
And you said she promised to help them professionally. She's an authority on society and on good clothes for women. Hmm? David was ambitious. He wanted to see her again. And so you came along? As his secretary. You never suspected he might have inclinations to burglary? He never did, Captain. I can't understand his being shot as an intruder. It's in... Oh. Whoop! Uh, hey, uh, somebody! Send a matron down here to take care of the girl. She's fainted. Betty Allison's statement threw some new light on the intruder Ruth Cutler had shot. And only Ruth Cutler could focus that new light for me. But it was lunchtime the next day before I located her in one of the city's smartest restaurants, the Silver Pheasant, where they start by charging you a quarter of a rolls and butter. Oh, Captain Scott. I'm sorry to interrupt this luncheon, Miss Cutler, but I need another little chat with you. Uh, may I present Mr. Oliver? Big Bill Oliver, isn't it? Uh, So-called, Captain. Well, it's a privilege to meet the next commissioner of parks and buildings, if I'm elected. Oh, Bill, darling, you know you will be. Uh, <clears throat> Ruth, I'd better wait out in the cocktail lounge while you would Nonsense, Captain Scott. darling, not at all. I have no secrets from you. Captain, you don't mind if he stays? Uh, I understand, Miss Cutler, that you did meet that intruder prior to last night. What? It was while you were driving through Pennsylvania... The date was the 7th of July, last month. 7th of July? Does that make you uh, remember his name? No. David Ashburn, owner of a small but smart dress salon in Boston. Ring a bell yet? Uh, it's quite impossible, Captain Scott. That he ran a dress shop? That I could have met him in Pennsylvania on the... Uh... 7th of July. Impossible? Yes, I was some 400 miles from Pennsylvania. I don't suppose there were any witnesses to that uh, uh, meeting of myself and... Uh, whom did you say, uh, uh, David Ashburn? No witnesses. No, I should think not. Hmm. You weren't in Pennsylvania that day. Where were you? Oh. Must I answer that? No, but I should think you'd want to convince me you never saw Ashburn before. It's one thing to kill a stranger. But if you knew David Ashburn before last night, then he might not have been an intruder, but an invited guest. And that's not manslaughter. That's murder. Bill, darling, I'm afraid I'll have to tell the truth. Uh, of course. Captain Scott, I spent the entire day of uh, July 7th until 11 in the evening with... Mr. Bill Oliver. Oh. We both took the day off, drove into the country, had a picnic dinner, and drove back. Well, uh, that's quite different, isn't it? Now, you can see, Scott, uh, we're uh, very fond of each other. Okay, Miss Cutler, Mr. Oliver, thanks. Goodbye, Mr. Scott. I'll see you around, Scott. I hope so. Goodbye. Ruth, darling, that was quite a lie to tell you. You weren't with me that day. Bill, dear, the truth is that I never met that David, you know, what's his name, or that day or any other day. Then... Well, actually, that day I was out at my own little country place, my cottage. But I'm afraid no one saw me there, and of course I had to tell Scott I was with you, and that settled it. Now, darling, do get me another martini, and let's talk about something else. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
Another visitor. And with a gun. You're rather late coming home, Miss Cutler. I wasn't anxious to come here for purely personal reasons. Now let's talk about you. My name's Betty Allison. I was going to marry David Ashby. How did you get into my apartment? The handyman's usual price of admission to other people's apartments here is $5. But he doesn't like you, Miss Cutler. He charged me only three. I won't charge you anything to leave. Now. I've come to kill you, Miss Cutler. Oh, my poor dear girl. I'm all smashed up, really, over this tragedy last night. But I was only defending myself. I didn't know that you Stop even... Stop it. Knew... What? Stop pretending. You and David were seeing each other in secret. Seeing each other? Yes, and he came here to break off with you, and you killed him. You lied to the police when you told them that he was a burglar, a... an intruder you never saw before. But you're wrong. I didn't even know it. Then how did David happen to have this? Where did you find that? One of his bags happened to be put in my hotel room by the bellhop. Oh? I opened it and struck gold, Miss Cutler. A solid gold cigarette case with the initials R for Ruth. C for Cutler. No, I'm sorry for what I'm going to have to say. Another lie. You loved him very much, I can tell. You looked up to him, admired him. Belief in him is perhaps the one thing that you have left. I'm sorry to have to destroy You're that. You're forgetting my gun, Miss This Cutler. cigarette case, I paid $480 for it, was, uh, was one installment of the blackmail that I was paying David. Blackmail? What could David have blackmailed you about? A little thing, but David was clever. He knew how to make a little thing loom large and black. What a rotten, nasty lie. With David dead. Betty, listen to me. Really, I feel horrible about this, but there's no reason for any of this to, to become known. David is a chapter in both our lives that we can both put behind us. It's easier for me, of course. I'm well-known, successful. I have a great deal to look forward to. And you... Will you let me help you? You can't. You worked with David in the shop, didn't you? How do you know? I guess. You'll want to continue the shop, and for that, of course, you will need money. Of course, but I can Let make... me give you a check. Now. A check for $5,000. You rotten, contemptible... You think you can buy no, me? No, I want to help you. I owe you that help. Please, David. All right. If you put it that way. My dear, I'm glad you're facing reality. Yes. Every woman has a sharp eye for the real things in life. Maybe mine's sharper than even I thought. You wait just a moment, and I'll get you that check now. Miss Allison! What? Captain Scott! What did she say to you, Miss Allison? Captain, would you believe me if I said I'm very glad to see you? Look at this. Huh? Pay to Betty Allison. $5,000. Who's that love? She paid you this so you'd keep quiet about the fact that she knew David Ashman before she shot him, right? I was going to kill her. But when she offered me this, I, I knew she was scared, hiding something. I took the check to help you find out what. Smart girl. Here's what's to be found out. What was Ruth's real connection with David Ashburn? And if he had something on her, why didn't she pay him off instead of killing him? I have no proof yet that this isn't manslaughter. But I'm sure of one thing. She didn't shoot a stranger in self-defense. 
She murdered a man she knew. We'll continue our drama in just a moment. CARE's new 550 food package contains many of the essentials now lacking in European diets. For while post-war recovery is widespread in Europe and crop prospects are good, malnutrition has not been ended and inadequate diets demand all the aid you can give. For 550, CARE sends to the person you name in any of 11 European countries an assortment including two pounds of ham, a pound each of rice, cheese, peanut butter, and coffee, 14 ounces of condensed milk, a half pound of chocolate, and six ounces of soap, plus six assorted spices. CARE's regular $10 food package contains meat and sugar, shortening, flour, preserves, rice, dried milk, chocolate, coffee, and other commodities, totaling a net weight of 22 and a half pounds. A $10 package for infants contains food for the first three months of life, another a complete baby layette, and there's a clothing package with all the supplies and materials to make a man's wool suit. Orders placed with CARE in New York are airmailed to a CARE warehouse overseas, nearest to the recipient. This economical operation, together with CARE's enormous buying power, result in savings for you and in the delivery of more food to the friend or relative you name. To order, send names and addresses of recipients together with your name and address and check or money order to CARE, New York. That's CARE, C-A-R-E, New York. Now, we return to Under Arrest. Yes, Ruth Cutler had committed murder. But why? What was the connection between her and the dead David Ashburn? I put shadows on Ruth herself, on Betty Allison, and on Big Bill Oliver, who was Ruth Cutler's key man. That's how I knew that an hour or so later that same evening, Big Bill's smart gray and silver coupe carried him to the Ritz Park Apartments. I watched him go upstairs. And the plain fact of the matter is, Ruth, if I want to be a success in politics... And you do. I've got to clean up my personal life. And what does cleaning up your personal life mean? The way the boss put it to me, this was some weeks ago, of course, he said, um, Commissioner of Parks and Buildings first. Two years more, Congress from this district. After that, Senate. And it's all in the bag. The big boss still talking. Yes. Mm. It's all in the bag if there's nothing in my private life that the blue noses might object to. Very well, Bill. Good night. And goodbye. What? Goodbye. <laughs> you might wait until you get outside to laugh at me. <laughs> Ruth, darling, sweetheart. I'm not cutting off from you. I want to marry you. <laughs> I want you to be Mrs. Bill, then Mrs. Commissioner, and finally, Mrs. Senator. You're contradicting yourself, darling. Me? How can you clean up your life by marrying a woman facing a charge of manslaughter? Oh, you're going to get off. Everybody we know is sorry for you on your side. Yes, still... Besides, a man like me needs a woman like you. Charm, brains, quick wits... Beauty. And a newspaper column in which to write about her prominent husband. Oh, nonsense. You accept? No. What? I'm only 33, Bill, and I'm still very attractive, even without a newspaper column. Ruth, for heaven's sake. I think you need me more than I need you. What do you mean? Bill, my hand. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to hurt you. What do you mean, I need you more than you need me? I simply mean that I haven't heard you say I love you. 
I could kill any woman who bargains over feelings. I hope you're just kidding. I have some pride. We can take care of that right now. It'll prove how much I want you. You're going to marry me or I'll smash that alibi of yours. Alibi? You told Scott you were with me the day he said you met Ashburn on a road in Pennsylvania. You wouldn't force me to marry you. I want you as my wife. Is it a deal? I dare say you and I were meant for each other. Very well, Senator. It's a deal. <laughs> That's a girl. Now let's have a drink to celebrate. No, you go home. Anyway, get out of here. I'm driving out to my cottage for the rest of the night. We need some quiet. And some time to think. I saw Big Bill leave, grinning happily to himself. He drove off, followed by Lieutenant Larry Gavin. I was about to go upstairs to see Ruth Cutlow when she came down, got into her car, and drove away. I tailed her all the way to her cottage about 15 miles out. I gave her a few minutes to put on the lights and open the windows, and then I went in. I came here for a few quiet hours to myself, Captain Scott. Am I to be hounded this way? Apparently, yes. I need a drink. Will you join me? Never when I'm working. Well? I'm working. You'll work away. I'm going to drink alone. What was David Ashburn blackmailing you about? You forced that girl to tell you what I said, didn't you? I asked the first question. Well, it's not quite true that that man was blackmailing me. But you did know him before. No. Mind if I have my drink? I felt terrible over killing that man, Captain Scott. When that poor girl came, I felt I wanted to do something for her. But she hated me, even wanted to kill me. I knew she wouldn't accept a gift, but if I led her to think that she was getting something out of me... You invented that blackmail story. Yes, to get Betty Allison to accept my help. Wow. What? Wow. I can't put it any other way. You expect me to believe that? She took the check, didn't she? <laughs> okay, here's another hot one for you to handle. How did this gold cigarette case of yours come to be in David Ashburn's possession? Give it to me. Easy, easy. Last time you saw it, Betty Allison had it in your apartment. But you let her walk out with it. You forgot it. That's a dangerous sign. You get it? You know, you're making too much out of nothing, Captain. How? Well, David Ashburn must have been in my apartment once before last night and stolen this. Sure you won't have a drink? Okay, Miss Cutler. Good. Bourbon and... Uh... Plain water. Mm-hmm. What do you think of my little place here, Captain? Charming. Come here often? Whenever I need a rest. Here's your drink. Thanks. I lead a very frazzled sort of life, Captain Scott. Parties, balls, social events of all sorts, contending with society people. Then why do it? 
Looking at me, Captain, would you think that I was born in a poverty-stricken family of seven children in the slums of Chicago? Why, yeah? Not quite. Almost. And there's one thing I've always wanted. You might call it... recognition. As what? The leader of society, maybe. Do you enjoy having power, Captain Scott? I don't know. I don't have very much. Power is the only thing worth having, Captain. It can bring you anything you want. How you doing? <laughs> Honestly, not very well. Something always turns up, like this present tragedy in my life. Uh, speaking of things turning up, you'd better get yourself another alibi for that day you were supposed to have met David Ashburn on the road in Pennsylvania. I don't understand. An alibi is going to be very important when you face court, Miss Cartman. You said get another alibi. What? Yes, uh, something always turns up. What turned up this time is murder. Murder? For about two years, Big Bill Oliver went around with a notorious girl named Honey Cashmore. Oh. Got so bad his political superiors told him to clean up his life. Honey Cashmore was murdered on... July 7th. Yeah. The day you say you spat with him. And it's quite probable that... <laughs> that he, he killed her? Coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> the day you need him as an alibi, he needs you. Uh, what um, evidence is there against him? It happened in the next county, and the police there tell me they may have a good case. You may. If the court breaks you down, that would finish Big Bill. And your own alibi would go at the same time. And on top of that, you'd uh, face the charge of perjury. Things always do turn up. Don't they? I... Obviously, Captain, I'll stick by Mr. Oliver. I've promised to marry him. Well, I'll be on my way back to town. And uh, here's my drink. You thought I'd stop working when I took it. Sorry. It's untouched. Hello, Bill. Yes, yes, Ruth, what is it? You stay in your apartment. I'm driving as fast as I can get there. I've got to see you. I followed Ruth Cutler back to town. She drove straight to the building Big Bill Oliver lived in and went upstairs. She certainly had murder in her heart because Big Bill had trapped her on that alibi, but she was walking in on a man who was also capable of murder. I wanted Ruth Cutler alive. I was only 30 seconds behind her going up to Oliver's apartment. Oliver, I... Captain Scott, I... I'm glad you... Uh, What's the matter? What's wrong? Come in and... Uh... Shot. Dead. Stop where you are, Captain Scott. Drop your gun. Uh, I see I'd better, Miss Cutler. Get out of my way, Captain. I'm not moving out of your way. I'll kill you. Like Ashburn and Bill Oliver? This gun is power, and I'm not afraid to use it. It's the only power you've got left, the only friend you've got left. Everybody is against me. You're sick, Ruth. Only sick people think everybody's against them. What you mean is you're against everybody. Yes. Yes, I am. And you're against truth. The truth is you were married eight years ago to David Ashburn in those slums of Chicago you told me about. Later, you left him, and you told him you'd gotten a Mexican divorce... And when he found out that was a lie, he came to see you, and you killed him. That's ridiculous. It isn't true, any of it. Look, I've been in touch with the Chicago police. All right, it is true. I was ashamed of him. Ashamed I ever married him. 
He was a dead weight on me, a dead weight like everything. The real dead weight was lies, Ruth. You lied to Ashburn, then to me that he was a prowler. Stop then that. you lied that you were with Big Bill Oliver when you were not. Stop it, and I said. And then the stories to Betty about blackmail and to me about wanting stop to help it. her. Always a spur of the moment. Stop it, stop you. You can stop me, but not the truth. Truth wears seven faces, but you can't hide the truth. Give me that gun. There. Give Everything. Me. Everybody's always against stop. me. Not everybody, Ruth. Just you. <laughs> Because most of all, you lied to yourself. And now you've got to answer for two deliberate murders. They're under arrest. Captain Jim Scott will be back in just a moment to tell you about next week's case. Meantime, let me remind you that regular care packages are delivered to 12 European countries including France, Great Britain, Poland, the western zones of Germany, Greece, Belgium, and the Netherlands. They also go to Japan, Korea, and the island of Okinawa. Care special 550 thrift food packages can be sent to any of these countries with the exception of Poland and Japan. Wherever your friend or relative lives in these areas, Care guarantees delivery and returns a signed receipt as proof. Endorsed by President Truman, Herbert Hoover, and General Eisenhower, Care operates to serve, not to profit. That's why you get top value when you order overseas food packages through CARE New York. Either CARE's 550 thrift package or a regular 22.5-pound $10 package will be welcomed by your friends and relatives overseas who may still suffer from inadequate diets. <laughs> Captain Jim Scott speaking. Next week, I'm taking you on a roping, a term used to break a counterfeiting gang. I call it the case of queer money. You'll find it unusual, daring, and dangerous in my fight against crime. You have just heard Under Arrest, presented by Mutual and starring Joe DeSantis as police captain Jim Scott. Today's case was especially dramatized for Under Arrest by Paul Milton. Original music was composed and played by Milton Cave. Heard in today's cast were Joan Alexander, Joan Tompkins, and Louis Van Ruten. All names of persons used in Under Arrest are fictitious. Any resemblance to the names of actual persons, living or dead, is coincidental. This is Jack Farron speaking. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Another really solid episode. I thought Joan Alexander once again did a good job, though I think the script may have gone a little hysterical at the end, but it was an interesting character, and even though uh, we heard her shoot, there was still a lot of mystery to unravel, and I can see why this show was on the air for so long. This is just really fun to listen to. A lot of the mysteries are unique, and Captain Scott's got uh, just a great uh, style. 
and a good way of bringing uh, the murderers to justice. Again, I would love it if more episodes of this series emerged. In the meantime, I'll talk about what we're going to be doing in the next few weeks. We actually have a newly circulated episode of a series we played a long, long time ago. And by that, I mean about nine weeks ago. Yes, there is a newly circulated episode of Indictment. And then we have some episodes. They are not newly circulated, but I just learned about them. And they are episodes of suspense that were essentially reused from episodes of Indictment. And given that we'll still only have five episodes from the very long run of Indictment on radio, I think it's a good idea to visit these episodes of Suspense. So we will uh, be back to Indictment for all of the next three weeks. Well, kind of. And then in four weeks, we're going to get into The Silent Men. So some good stuff ahead. Well, I do want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Jenna and Christopher, Patreon supporters since April of 2020. Currently supporting the show at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. And that will do it for today. Join us back here on Monday for uh, Casey Crime Photographer. And then next Saturday, Indictment. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.